Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danudan, my fabulous co-host Lawson. Lawson, good morning to good you. Good morning, Danuta. What a super good morning. I know it's a bit cloudy here this morning, but... Of course, you know, the sun is rising now around 5.30. It's not like we're having to come yeah, here in the dark. For sure. You know, for such a long time we're having to come in the dark. Um, but now mm. it's just like it's light while I'm still reading and light while I'm driving here and light while I'm walking in here. How good's that? Yeah, 100%. I rode my bicycle here this morning. I took off from my dorm room at Avondale at around 20 past 5. Oh, wow. And that's an early start. Like, in fact, it was it's sunny enough sunny. Yeah. that I could ride with my glasses on like oh I, wow i have like sunglasses that i use for riding you know to like it's mostly just to shield my eyes from the, the wind. wind like yeah. oh man I, i've ridden in the rain sometimes and then your glasses get too foggy to wear them. oh yeah and then when you're riding down the hills you've just got like stream of tears going down your <laughs> oh, face wow, and hey. it's like and you, and you can't do anything about it but it, definitely when i have ridden my bike here just a couple months ago and it's like you know, I'll leave at five similar time and it's like pitch black and I can barely see mm. and I've got my lights on. Whereas now I can just, I can keep my lights in blink mode, like, which is basically they just blink on and off to make sure that, you know, no one, yes. um, no one hits me or runs me yeah. over or whatever, but I can keep them in blink mode the whole way because there's enough sun that I'm like, I don't even need lights and I can keep my sunnies on. Like, I'm, Isn't I'm, that jolly fantastic? Mate, so you are life. grateful for the sun so rising in the, the morning sun. early. It's keeping me safe. <laughs> I can see where I'm going. Like, I'm super, super, super blessed, yeah. That's so good. So when some people are still in bed, some are still snoring away, you are right up. I'm up, but you're already cycling Mate, well I'm before. Up, you know, I've got my heart rate monitor going, you know, keeping my cadence good, you know, That's doing, so all, cool. doing all those things. It's it's awesome. It's fun. But, hey, we're here now. Get- and coming up on our show today, on our interview, we've got Melody Tan talking about mums at the table. Uh, in our new segment, we're looking at John Calvin and also restoration of smell. And in our Bible study time, we're continuing our mission to the needy. And today we're looking at helping and the hurting. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. If you're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson, it has come time for us to do our first quiz question for today. We've had lots of answers coming through this week, which is really exciting. Yeah. People are excited about the fact that there are two prizes this week, so we'll tell them shortly about that. Take it away, please, with our first quiz question. Okay, this first question, oh, this is about a passage, well, a, a passage of the Bible that is incredibly famous and, you know, has some in very, well, the most famous verses contained within it, but it's simply this who was the jewish leader who came to jesus at night in john chapter 3 0491 who was the jewish leader who came to jesus at night in john chapter 3 i really like that story oh, like, it's, it's just like powerful there is so mm. much packed into that era that that whole story that passage mm. of course well it's we can't give away too much. No, no, because, we can't. We'll, we'll talk about it more afterwards. Because when we get the there's lots of clues. Well, basically, pretty much all regarding this particular passage. But if you know the answer, hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That is the number to text. Text the number with the correct answer, and you will go into the draw for our amazing prizes this week, which we've got. Firstly, uh, well, two 
puzzles. We're giving away two of them. So there's going to be two winners tomorrow mm. on Friday at 8.45. One of them is Jesus at the Helm. The other one is a picture of the nativity scene titled May I Hold Him, where Jesus is yeah. a baby being held by Mary and whatnot. But 0491-064-669, that is the number to text if you know the correct answer. And if you do, again, you'll go into the draw to win those. Who was the Jewish leader who came to Jesus at night in John chapter 3? That number is 0491-064-669. And this morning, we are saying good morning and a super hello to Kuna Barabran. Oh, is- shout out out west. Kuna. That's awesome. Do you know where it is? It's... uh. Like out it's, out west, yeah, like yes. that's that's, out that's west uh, in New I've South never West. been there. I just know I'm like Coonabarabran. <laughs> I was going to say way out west. That's yeah, that kind yeah. Of We've thing. been but there. You would know. Absolutely, because we lived out in the west. You're a west specialist. West specialist. <laughs> no, I don't know about a specialist, but certainly lived out there. So yeah, of course, my hubby and I lived down in Burke and around around Bewarino. We used to travel through Gunnedah, Coonabarabran, Canamble, so all of those areas. So it's just up from from Dubbo, not far from Dubbo. You've kind of got um you know um Mm. Uh, not and the other one anyway it's just escaped me but just up a little bit north from Dubbo and you've got Coonabarabran really lovely town really friendly people through there as well again one of the great things with the small towns is that you bump into people constantly in um, the petrol stations um, and also in the post in the post office and and stuff like that so you just con- it's just a really friendly area um, area it's a great place to go stargazing of course because mm. it's really dark so it's a town in the Warren Bungles Shire. Warren Bungles are meant to be really, I haven't been there, but everyone raves that it's so good to go camping there in the Warren Bungles. Um, and it's on the divide between the central west and the northwest parts of New South mm. Wales. So in the census of 2016, there were about two, 2,500 or so people. And then also in 2021, let me just find out, the population was about 3,500. So it had gone up by about 1,000. So, yeah, just just great place right there near the Warrumbungle National Park mm. and the Pilliga Forest as well, which we've been through the Pilliga Forest. I know, though, when we were living out west at the time, the Pilliga forest was un, you know uh yeah was mm. burning for some time unfortunately which was really sad so a lot was lost in that time so yeah Coonabrow Brown, folk, text us in if you're listening on 88.0 FM and text us in on 0491064669 and let us know what you love about Faith FM what do you love about the Brecky show Absolutely. What do you love about living out west? How often do you go to the Warren Bungles? Do you go camping or do you do day trips given it's mm. so close? Because, yeah, the, the air out there is so fresh. And the, the view, seriously, of the Warren Bungles mountains when you're driving out of Kuna is absolutely spectacular. It's a mm. really, really beautiful view to actually have. So, mm. yeah, just great stuff. Hey, going to our good news today, um, just really briefly before I go into the one I'm mentioning, but I thought – you know, it is good news given, uh, although it's temporary, but at this stage, you know, last night, of course, they announced that Israel and Hamas are actually doing a four-day ceasefire due to oh, start fantastic. on Thursday. So we're, th- we're Thursday here, but for them, they're that little bit behind us. Um, uh, but it's also too short to meet Gaza's needs, the agencies are saying. But the good news is that they're actually looking at a ceasefire for four days, and part of that is also to release some of the hostages. Mm. So that is absolutely... Absolutely good news. Let's keep praying that it actually goes longer mm. because, you know, they're, they're needing relief there. But more than that, people are being displaced 
um, and, you know, having to leave everything behind that's been their whole world, their whole life mm. and everything and so much trauma, layers and layers of trauma. So just keep praying for them and that the ceasefire actually goes a bit longer than that and hopefully is a, becomes a permanent thing, which, be, which, would, which would be even more amazing. Mm. Hey, there's some other really good news that I, this, this caught my attention. I want to ask you something. So it's about restoration of the sense of smell. Okay. 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 You know, yesterday, we, we, yesterday or the day before, we are talking about, you know, if you had a choice between eyes and ears, like, you know, if you had to lose your sound or sight, you, you said you'd find that really hard, but you like, you know, the sound because of music and stuff. Yeah. Now, sense of smell. Did you – were you impacted at all, at all by COVID with your smell or I was, taste in any I kind of way? I was – I, when I got COVID for the first time, I got COVID for the first time in the beginning of 2022. I've had COVID like three times oh, since have you? then. Like I've had it twice. Times. That was bad enough. Uh, man. <laughs> but when I first got COVID, I got absolutely smashed. Like I got beat up. COVID got the gloves out and did a number on me. Oh, like I was, wow, hey. I was so close to, I didn't know I'm going to hospital and that's because I was kind of staying by myself. And, <laughs> and, but I was like, there was, there was some times there where like, cause I, I ran a fever for four days i couldn't speak i couldn't eat i lost like five kilos in a week because i couldn't eat anything like it was just wild but my point is is that i didn't lose my sense of smell that was the one thing smell and taste yeah yeah that that wasn't the 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 symptoms that affected me every time i've had covid that hasn't been an issue good for you well some people actually had that affected and quite badly and i've known of people that actually had that continue for a fair fair while for months in some in some cases it's been a really short-term thing for people in some cases it's been a few months for Mm. some it's just continuing on now here's the incredible thing um basically the the parosmia Mm -hmm. which is the name for the loss of smell before covid previously this was a rare thing it was generally after trauma brain surgery stroke or even viruses or or some head you know if people had for instance head and head and neck um tumors uh, that that will impact mm. those areas because of course there's the pressure on the olfactory olfactory nerve is the one that actually supplies the the, the smell and mm. the optic nerve is the one that actually supplies the eyes. You yeah, know? yeah, I mean, all, sure. we've all got got those um, those those key nerves um, in our brain that then, mm. of course, also supply those areas into more minute areas. So here's the thing: um, scientists and researchers have actually used image-guided procedure to see if they can actually uh, recover smell in patients, mm-hmm. which would be amazing. So they've actually tested it on, or trialed it on several. Uh, people that have had it from the impact of COVID, where it's actually affected their smell. And Professor Adam Zoga, who's a leading specialist, post-COVID, finding, they're finding more and more people affected with this. And so they've actually done a, an inject, injected an anaesthetic into a stellate ganglion, um, which is, stimulates the automatic nervous system, of course. Now, the collection of the sym- sympathetic nervous system that actually gives out signals to the head and neck and arms, and the sympathetic nervous system actually controls our body. Um, mm. And without 
without us actually thinking about it. That's the key thing. So the procedure actually is really not invasive and it actually takes about 10 minutes, which is absolutely fantastic. No sedation is actually needed and it's a majority of people that have been trialled have actually improved within one week. Wow. Which is spectacular. Isn't that fantastic? They also had some other surprising outcomes, including nearly 100% resolution of phantosmia, which is a condition that actually affects people being able to detect other smells, you know, so basically, yeah, just a range of things like that. So that's a really exciting thing, I thought, that for people that have actually lost this, this is just like really good news. I had a friend who didn't have a sense of smell, like growing up, she she, she was just it was turned off in her brain or in, for some reason. And it actually like heavily and drastically affects your t- sense of taste. And for her, like she, she often would, she would like not know, uh, she would like taste different drinks, like different soft drinks or juice or whatever, and not be able to tell the difference or say she was eating a salad. This is what she explained to me one time. She's eating a salad. She can't taste the difference between lettuce and tomato and carrot and cucumber. She's just like, they all have a different texture, but they all taste exactly the same or they taste very, very similar because her sense of smell is gone. And I actually, I saw a video one time of like a guy, he had like a, a group of drinks and they blocked his sense of smell and then he's just got a straw and he can't see what they are. And he's like guessing them all wrong and like completely wrong. Like wow. he's like guessing like, oh, yeah, this like Fanta was actually Sprite and stuff like that. And I, I was so shocked. I'm like, surely not. But yeah, it's it, it's hugely affects your sense of taste as well. It has. It has really affected people, you know. And you know where my mind went with, you know, in the Bible, mm. in Psalm 141, it actually says that our prayers are likened to incense. Mm. In other words, like a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just, you know, our prayers are important to the Lord. Not, not just, you know, it's a communication system where we talk with Jesus mm. and we listen to him as well. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, it's come time for our second quiz question. Oh, wow, that one's really, really short, isn't it? Yeah, it's simply this. So you need to reflect on the first question a little bit to get to the second question. The first question was, who was the Jewish leader who came to Jesus at night in John chapter 3? And the second question here, so we're asking like, first question is like, what is his name? Mm -hmm. The second question is, what is his title? Mm -hmm. So which group did he belong to? Mm-hmm. If you know the answer to this, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, we go into the draw to win one of two amazing 1,000-piece puzzles that we will be giving away tomorrow as a prize. The more answers you get correct, the more chances you have to win. But again, that number, 0491-064-669. And the question here was, what was his title? And it's the title of the Jewish leader, so the occupation, the title, the group he belongs to, of the Jewish leader who comes, who came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3. So 0491-064-669, that is our number to text this morning. Okay, and where are we going with our news this morning? Yeah, we're talking about John Calvin, uh, and we're talking about... Calvinism, but we're not talking about Calvinism at the same time. We're talking about something, actually, we're talking about something that John Calvin said that was actually recently criticized in an article that I read. Oh. And it was actually an area of John Calvin's theology that I agree with. I have been very vocal on the show 
about my disagreements with John Calvin or Calvinism. Maybe you're listening this morning, you're like, what is that? Who is that? That's right. So give us some background for our listeners. So John Calvin was a reformed theologian. He was a theologian mm, as part right. of the Reformation. He came up... A real key one, actually. And yeah, he's, he was... I feel as though he was a fantastic person and he lived up to the calling of God to be a light in that area. But I think that he proliferated a, proliferated a certain idea that I heavily disagree with, mm. which is the idea of predestination. Yes. Uh, and yeah. the, and what, what you, scholars would come to regard as double predestination, which is that God chooses who is saved and who is lost from the very beginning of time. Mm. So therefore, when it comes to salvation, there is no, no choice, choice for on, you. There is no choice on the human part. Uh, it is all, basically everything has happened because God has wanted it to happen. And I think God's outcomes will ultimately happen because God has decided. I think there is a level of sovereignty that God has, but that sovereignty is not through God forcing the choices of other people, but rather God's perfect work and being able to see the end from the beginning. And that's something that we make absolutely true. And I think it's especially dangerous that John Calvin asserts that uh, not only that God selects who is saved, which is something that was already hinted to very much and and towards the end of his life augustine in 400 ad was already preaching a message and already absolutely augustine was writing a message of what they would call single predestination which is yeah basically that god has selected who is saved although everyone has selected themselves to be lost we had free choice in the beginning and even augustine himself he he realized that single predestination is kind of illogical it's like either god has control of everything or god has god has given us free choice and so towards the end of his life um augustine would very much become more airing more to the side of the double predestination that Mm. john calvin would have which is he's just like yep god from the beginning of time made people to be saved made people to be lost and no one has any choice about it Mm. and and that's why cal i mean calvin was actually influenced by that belief so significantly wasn't it because it was augustine was a real prominent um one of the forefathers uh, you know Back That's earlier, right. like, you know, centuries earlier. And if you work back further, it's like, where did that idea come from? And I think it very much was influenced by, you know, uh, Platonism and Plato and, and Greek philosophy and a few ideas of it happening there. But I didn't want to talk so much about predestination today. I want to talk about John Calvin's view on prophecy and recent criticisms that have happened as a result. And that's because John Calvin was an adamant historicist, like many of the other reformed theologians Mm. or the reformers. And they were historicists because they could clearly see basically prophecy unfolding Mm. before them. Mm. And they could see prophecy unfolding throughout History and historicism was the doctrine of the Protestant Reformation. Oh, very much. They looked very much into history, um, yeah, to be able to understand then what would be happening in the future too. And again, just to explain that briefly, historicism as a, as a system of interpreting Bible prophecy essentially says that God has given a bunch of prophecies throughout the Bible. And throughout those prophecies that he has given in the Bible, um, he has, throughout those prophecies that he has given in the Bible, they have unfolded throughout all of history. Throughout all of history, these prophecies have unfolded. Now, that is, 
in contrary to futurists who say, no, all prophecy is going to happen at the very end of time, and to say that any prophecy is unfolding throughout time is wrong, or you have preterists as well who say that all prophecy has happened previously, it happened around the time of Jesus, and we don't need to look to prophecy at all. Both of the, Basically, both of these systems of interpreting prophecy takes prophecy from something that we can see and interpret and see unfolding throughout history and it gives us very clear indications that the Bible was written by God. It can be used as a tool to prove that that it's basically like objective observable evidence to prove the claims of the Bible. When people subscribe to different methods of prophecy, you take you take that power of prophecy away because it's like, oh, now everything's either going to happen in the future, so therefore we can't use prophecy to prove the Bible true. And you might be thinking, oh, how does the prof- how does prophecy prove the Bible true? And in this very very simple way, if you can read the Bible and you can read something that God said would happen, well, God said two and a half thousand years ago, okay, this thing will happen, and then you can read history and see it happening and unfolding, Mm. that is a piece of evidence to prove the Bible true and to prove the claims that God makes, that he knows the end from the beginning, that he created the world, that he has this amazing power. When you can see the Bible clearly doing that, and the Bible is proved true. Absolutely. And for us, the benefit is is that we have got history to look back onto and see see how that has been fulfilled, as well as the passages like Daniel 2, like Daniel 8 and 9, you know, particularly 7, 8 and 9, that actually point to pointed ahead to things, but we now have the historical um, records yeah. to indicate that that has happened. It really happened, and it really unfolded. And the advent of his uh, of, of preterism and futurism, these systems of interpretation that take that power away from prophecy, were literally invented by. <laughs> by by the church of the dark ages mm. to prove to the reformers that the bible isn't yes. to be trusted mm. <laughs> like, and to invalidate mm. the protestant movement mm. yet protestants have flocked to these interpretations mm. in modern times because they're like oh yeah we're going to believe this and and there's a whole history there of how those ideas have slowly taken over protestantism and i'm shocked because i'm like Guys, this literally proves us wrong. Everything that we preach and everything that John Calvin would assert, uh, and John Calvin and and Martin Luther and whatnot of solo scriptura and whatnot, everything that they would assert regarding you know Bible and Bible alone are undermined by these systems of interpreted prophecy. Now that all being said, recently John Calvin he's come under fire, even though you know he's been dead for hundreds of years. But John Calvin, like most uh, historicists asserted and said, "Hey, when Jesus, you know, when Jesus had a conversation with the disciples just before he left the earth at the beginning of Acts, where they asked him, "Hey, you know, Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel?" and Jesus said, "It's not for you to know the times." John Calvin interpreted that, and I think correctly, by saying that they were. Their question was flawed. You know, when are you going to restore Israel? They were looking for a political leader. Mm -hmm. And throughout all of Jesus's time here on earth, Mm -hmm. he proved to them that that's what he was not. And he has no intentions of reestablishing Israel as a political power that will take over the world in some type of nationalist way. Now, modern Bible expositors are like, John Calvin was wrong. And actually... You know, God is very much going to restore Israel. He's going to set up their kingdom. And again, this has become a point of, you know, a topic of conversation very recently because of the war between, um, you know, Israel and Palestine and Hamas and the attacks and everything going on over there. And 
I think that there, there's so much that we could say on this topic, but if I could quickly summarize my thoughts and what the Bible says, there's, there's a few different things. Firstly, the response or the reaction of the disciples, the reaction of the disciples to basically their their persecution by the nation of Israel. We see them being persecuted. We see Stephen being stoned and Stephen being killed uh, as a result of, of the faith that he was preaching and whatnot. And the reaction of the disciples to their persecution is Israel is to leave Israel. Mm. Uh, so I see there, they, they didn't, they weren't like, oh, we need to go hard to try and set up this kingdom. No, no, no. They're like, okay, we're going to leave. But furthermore, when we come to the book of Romans, and this is, this is so powerful. When we read the book of Romans and we essentially see there that the information that is given in Romans chapter 11, which is often used by these futurists, uh, Bible expositors to say, oh, this proves dispensationalism true and this proves that God will set up the kingdom. But he says in verse 28, this is Paul writing, he says, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of their fathers. And they're like, see, see, the election, the covenant, the promises, see, they're going to set up the kingdom of Israel. But it continues on. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And yet, like they had a a calling, they were a genetic people group that had a calling to bring in Jesus. But it, furthermore, it continues and it says, for as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so, these have also been disobedient, that through their mercy, um, that you may also obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. And what this passage is saying is that God saves everyone through the same way. And Danuta, how does God save people? Yeah, by grace through faith. By grace through faith, through Jesus Christ. That's right. And it's like, yes, they had an irrevocable calling to bring God into the world. But unless they give their hearts to Jesus, what promise is given to them? This is the reality of the situation. There's so much more we could talk talk about this but really i think at the end of the day when we when we think about the promises that are given to israel and we think about the promises that have been given to the church in terms of being given a state and given a national state no god god's ideals are so much more than that they obtain their they obtain their status they obtain their their grace the mercy everything that they've been given um comes through their adherence to jesus and while they're not adhering Mm. to jesus why would god set them up as a nation You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. And it has come time for us to do our third quiz question for today. Please, Lawson, take it away before we have our interview this morning. Yeah, third quiz question here. When Jesus cleared the temple, what did he make out of cords? 0491-064-669. When Jesus cleared the temple, what did he make out of cords? Chords. If you know the answer to that one, again, our number 0491-064-669. We have amazing prizes. Answer correctly, you get in for the draw four. Absolutely. So there's the two puzzles that we actually have, 2,000-piece puzzles. So two winners will go in the draw, um, will actually be able to win this week mm. at quarter to nine on Friday when we draw that. That is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's come time for us to have our interview this morning with Melody Tan from Mums at the Table. Good morning, Melody. Are you there? 
Good morning. I am here. Hello. Welcome to our show. We're excited that you can join mm. us this morning, Melody. <laughs> Thank you so much for the invite. Ah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Look, Mum's at the table. I remember when it first started um, years back. I remember just seeing some adverts about it in the first book that came out and, and looking through some of that. I myself am not a mum, but I was certainly fascinated and interested in it about, it, uh, about it. Tell us first, before we go into knowing a little bit more about it. Tell us just an, a brief overview about mum. What is, what is mum's at the table? When did it start and, and, um, and how, how and why did it start? Well, mum's at the table has a very interesting history, shall we say. Mm. It started way back in 2016. I remember that date very well because that was actually the year that my son was born. Wow. So when I, <laughs> when I became a mum, I joined the mum's at the table team too. Mm-hmm. So it started off as a TV show. The reason why it started was because we wanted to create some kind of support and information that we wanted to provide moms with. And we thought the best way to do that was through a TV show that was on free to air. Mm. We, we had six different moms who would come on on a rotational basis and we would basically share our thoughts and all the different advice that we've gotten about parenting. Mm. It evolved and then the magazine came out and then COVID hit and everything kind of went by the wayside. And But actually it was interesting because it was around that time, a few years pr- prior to that in 2018, when Facebook launched uh, Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. We jumped on the bandwagon and created a Facebook Moms at the Table group. That was when we realized how many moms were actually requiring support. Like this was face-to-face now. We we were actually within the community. And one of the things that all the moms wanted in the group, other than, you know, trying to figure out what is going on with their kids. Is this teething? How do I feed solids? All of that. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that the moms came up with was that they really wanted to meet in person and they really needed to find mom friends. Mm. And so that was when we discovered, hang on, what people really need is this face-to-face relational thing. And so we pivoted. That was the catchphrase of the of of that time, wasn't it? Um, mm. And so, yeah, we pivoted and we decided, hey, we need to put more focus into creating opportunities for moms to meet together because that is where they require the most support. And Basically, long story short, this is where Moms at the Table is at now. We are fully online. We've got our information that was on the magazine, that was on the TV show. It's all on our website. But we have a lot of focus on creating Facebook groups, creating local groups in local areas so that moms can get together to meet up and develop relationships. Love what you're saying because that sense of community is really important, one, isn't it? Because particularly in those early years, you know, mums can, in some cases, a lot can stay at home because, you know, the tiredness through waking up at night and having to care for the babies, sometimes having two, three, four babies close together even and things like that. But that the, the, the real raw and real sharing and sense of community is, is, is what you're saying is really important for them. 
Yes, and at that point of time, you know, you may have other friends that you were really close with, but because you're going through something that is completely out of this world, you want to talk to someone who's actually either going through it or been through it, who who has that kind of raw experience, who's been through the trenches and can share that experience with you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Sound, sounds important. Sounds really good. Hey, um, and are you still there? Yes. Oh, sorry, I wasn't sure. Um, just, we just had a crackle on our end, so mm-hmm. sorry about that. <gasps> so, yeah, yeah. So just, Melody, tell us, you know, are there any, like, two, three key key areas of support that you actually look at, that you provide with mums at the table? So, yes. So the three, we, we provide, broadly speaking, three areas of support. Mm-hmm. On our The first one is on our website where we provide expert-sourced advice. So we do interviews with experts, we do our research, and we provide all the answers to questions that mums are having. Mm. Um, the second one is our online peer support, which is through our Facebook groups. This came in especially handy. Like I know it's coming in especially handy in the middle of the night when your kid has woken up. You're trying to either feed them or rock them back to sleep. You've got one hand free and you're online going, why is this happening again? And that's where, that's where the Facebook group comes in. You, you can log in online. You can have a chat. You can send out your questions and someone out there will be awake sharing your pain with you. Well, I love that. What you're, what you're saying is that even during the night, somebody is likely to be looking at their Facebook thing because they're up with their own child and, and because they're linked into mums at the table. And so there's this support can be from the other side of Australia, really. It's not like right down the road. Correct. Yes, we do. Ha- we do actually have quite a number of um, members from America as well. So yes, they wow. are literally on a different, the opposite time zone. Wow. There you go. That's why there'd also be responses, I'm sure, with that sort of thing. So yeah. yeah. Um, so lots of interaction would probably happen, you know, even on Facebook, one on one, not just within the group chat necessarily. Yes, and yes, and that's that's because the thing is, some people may not actually be interested in meeting someone new. I'm an introvert myself. I know how difficult it is to meet someone new. Mm-hmm. But online, it's it's that much easier mm-hmm. and you can get the support online as well. Um, and then so the third area of support though is for, well, I wouldn't say just purely for the extroverts because introverts need that kind of relational support as well. But so that's where the third, the third area of support is, is through face-to-face connections through our local mm-hmm. meetup groups. Mm. They run a range of different events. It depends on where your group is, who the moderators are. So the people who run the groups, we call them moderators. Mm. They're all volunteer, volunteer, they're all volunteers basically. And they organize different events and you can turn up there. There's usually no judgment. Everyone's just going through the same thing yourself. If you want to just go there. Let your kid play and just sit quietly in a corner. That is completely okay as well. Mm, that's powerful. So how, how did these, like some of the local groups, you're saying there's moderators and how did some of these local groups then start up? Was it like one particular mum within the area thought, okay, I really want to meet up with others and sort of initiated it through the Facebook or something like that? How, how did, how did the, the, how did the local groups actually get started and, and who decides who's the moderator? In a general sense, yes. 
most of the time, the reason why a group has started is because a mom has been through, done that, or is going through the same thing and realizes just how much support a mom needs. And she has this passion for helping moms. And so she decided to create a group so that she can be there to help the moms go through the same hardship that she's been through. I'm talking like as if motherhood is the most horrible thing ever. It's a delight, people. If you haven't had a child, it is a delight. But sometimes it can be difficult. Um, But yeah, so basically the one thing I need to mention as well is that Moms at the Table is an initiative from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so our partnerships are with Seventh-day Adventist churches purely because of child safety and insurance purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's all under the same umbrella, it can cover the child safety policies. We mm-hmm. know child safety policies are in place, and we know that insurance, public liability insurance are in place. And so our moderators are basically volunteers, church members who go to their local Seventh-day Adventist church. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Been through that have a passion for helping moms connect with us and then we go through the checks and the training and that's how our local group starts. Wow, that's powerful. And what I love you saying is that, you know, child safety and insurance issues are important for anyone. Um, and so it's, it's actually broader as well, um, on top of the conversations that actually happen. But, but looking at the holistic thing for the child and family, really, uh, which, which is really fantastic to, to hear. And like you say, motherhood isn't easy. I know, you know, I've got family members that have got lots of, have got children. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, there's also all sorts of ups and downs but it's the biggest joy and the most important role that a mum mum and and dad can actually have isn't it really yeah and yes and and even though we're for mums we want to keep the kids safe too yes yeah yeah no that that's really important isn't it so are there particular age like is there an age limit for, with the children like you know when there's mums at the table at what age does it kind of start where where kind of does it start you know people start moving on from mums at the table or do they stay in touch long term what happens generally our so in terms of the groups the bulk of the activity happens for kids between for moms with kids between zero to five, because that's usually the time before they go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are at home or have some kind of some kind of free time and really just are looking for activities with their kids. So that's where the bulk of the activities happen. However, we have <clears throat> excuse me, we have groups that actually have kids who are older as well. And sometimes a lot of these moms, they either have weekend events mm-hmm. or um, this is actually a favorite amongst our 22 groups is a kid-free dessert night. Mm-hmm. So they get someone to look after their kids and they go out for the night and they just hang out with someone else, have adult conversation without their children and have chocolate. I mean, what's that not to like? That, that's right. So what you're saying really too with that is that the self-care of the mum is really important because when there's the self-care, it can give back to your children so much more as well. Yes, definitely. A lot of our a lot of our moms have come back and said that, you know, just because we have had that little break, we can come back and we can be all the more present for our for our moms. I mean, there is a there is a saying, there's a quite a popular saying about when you're on an airplane, they and there's an there's an emergency, the advice is that you have to fit the oxygen mask on your face first before you can help someone yes, else. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, and so and, there's the yeah, same kind of situation. That's exactly what motherhood <laughs> yeah. is. Yes. Love what you're saying there with that and that they're feeling rejuvenated to be able to then give back in every mm. kind of way as well as their, their, you know, as the child grows, is it's a great role model for them of, of the importance of doing that as well. So so uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, Melody. Like I'm noticing here on your website, it says too that, you know, it's a community of mums, you know, sharing, supporting, time to laugh and, and dream together like you said, and have those real conversations on real issues. But I notice here you've also got, you know, recipes, mother's group, you've got the mother who plays and weekly play groups. So there's a variety of things that are actually there on the website, aren't there? Yes, yes, there is. So you can go onto the website to find your local group. But yeah, at the same time, if there's no local group around, there is plenty on there. There's recipes. We have articles that separated into different ages and stages. So if you're pregnant, if you have a newborn, if you have toddlers, preschoolers, primary schoolers, tweens and teens, there's information there somewhere for you that, you know, for you to handle and go through the, the, the motherhood. Mm. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. And, um, and you also mentioned, so we've got about a minute left. To, um, is there anything that you'd particularly like to leave our listeners with as we wrap up? And of course, the, the website is mumsatthetable.com, I believe, what we've got here. But what, what do you particularly want to, um, what's the take home message for them? I think the take-home message is really go onto our website, have a look at the articles, find and see if there's a group near you. And if there isn't, sign up to our newsletter. Well, even if there is, sign up to our newsletter anyway, and we will send you parenting information every week and let you know if there's a new group that's going to be opening up in your area if there isn't one already. That's absolutely fabulous stuff, Melody. Thank you so much. What exciting stuff and what what a great support way to support mums in every way and also for the children mm. to mingle and grow up uh, with a great social environment in a safe space um, and in a sense of community in every kind of way. We wish you and your team all the very best, Melody. Thank you for coming to our show. And, of course, we encourage our listeners to go to the website mumsatthetable.com. Right? Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.